baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from the Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants, and just a line drive from Sunken Diamond, the baseball home of the Stanford Cardinal, the alma mater of Cy Young Award winner Jack McDowell. You know, it's the offseason, and this being the offseason, I'm going to talk about teams and and. When things happen and things arise, I'll, I'll talk about them, you know, best I can. But along the way, I'm going to devote a little bit of time and a little bit of energy to each one of the teams because we don't know going into 2017 whose year that will be. 2015 was a year, if you were a Kansas City Royal fan, holy Toledo, you'll never forget that. You'll never forget the magic of that postseason. And do you know what? There were other teams too. If you were a New York Met fan, man, you had the thrill of the that five-game series against the Dodgers and the sweep of the Cubs and a pennant. That's fabulous. But then this last year, a lot of teams, a lot of good quality franchises had memorable Octobers. You had that we just witnessed the clash between Cleveland and Chicago and one of the classic games in the history of baseball. And you go back down to the Giants in 2014, but also the magic that it was for the Royals as well. It was a magical year for the Royals. Year before that, you had the Red Sox, you had the Cardinals. You also had, you had the Pirates in the postseason for the first time since the Francisco Cabrera hit. It's not always just the champion. Sometimes there's another team along in there that had a magical year too. It's not just one franchise that's allowed to be happy. Not just one franchise can walk around and say, man, I feel good about myself. You know? The 1995 Mariners didn't even make the World Series, but they had that incredible run that will be, that to this day, if you talk to Mariner fans, they talk about what a magical year that was. So what can happen? Some team is going to look at 2017. Some fan base is going to look at 2017, and the minute you say it, their heart's just going to glow. They're going to say, oh, that was, that was so great. It was so great. Now, it may not be the greatest year of... Cut, 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 cut. You know, the... Just because you win a championship doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be your favorite year of all time. And you're hard-pressed to find a Boston Red Sox fan who thinks that 2007 was the greatest Red Sox year of all time. We're probably all going to say 2004, although emotionally some of us may say the Boston Strong year. You're going to probably find most Giant fans are going to say either the 2010 World Series or the 2014. 2012 kind of gets lost in the shuffle. For Yankee fans, I would say that twenty uh, uh, that nineteen ninety nine seems to be lost in the shuffle when they swept the Braves. I think for Cardinal fans, two thousand six has seemed to be lost in the shuffle from time to time because it came so out of the blue and compared to twenty eleven, which was such an epic. You know, I mean, I may be speaking for some fans here, but that's just what I've 
seem to have gathered over the years. But it's still, you can look for 2017 and you can say, all right, who's going to own that year? Who's going to have that year? What team is going to celebrate and have the parade in 2017? We don't know. We don't know. It could be any team other than the Rockies. I'm going to make that claim. And I'm going to have Thomas Harding on here, who's a writer for, uh, a great writer who covers the uh, uh, Colorado Rockies, and I'm going to have him make the pitch for the Rockies. But of, of any other franchise, I think you can think, all right, they're going to have a shot. I don't think the Rockies have a shot. But what if the parade next year is in Chicago? What if it's in Chicago? And once again, we have a parade. Is it possible? Sure. It's, I think it's almost probable at this point. I think the Cubs look like a team, especially if they have a smart offseason, and especially with the yoke removed, that yoke as in what you put on an oxen and not yoke what usually appeared on Cub fans' face. With that removed from the franchise... Now they can say, okay, crack our knuckles. We have ourselves the foundation of a great team, and we can build at the same time. They can try to build up through their farm and sort of put in this place, eventually you're going to have to replace Arietta. Eventually you're going to have to replace Lester. Eventually you're going to have to replace some of the other veterans on the team, but you have the foundation of Baez, of Rizzo, of Bryant. You know, Solaire will probably become a larger factor moving on. Schwarber will be a larger factor. So you're going to have the foundation of a team that they've all won. You saw a little bit of that happen when the, the Giants won the World Series in 2010. I see a lot of similarities between this, this Cubs team and that Giants team. There was a foundation. The, the pitching was, was younger on the Giants team. Remember, they had Kane, Baumgartner, Lincecum. All were still pretty young on that team. And this is much more of a veteran pitching staff that they have on this Cubs team. But you also had the foundation of a lot of players, like the players I just mentioned, like Sandoval, who wasn't much of a factor in that World Series, became a big factor in the other ones. You had the uh, Posey was on that team, and you saw they had the wonderful bullpen that was intact. So you saw when the Giants won those three championships, yes, there were some changes of faces, and Renteria was a big star on one team, and Brandon Crawford came in for one year, and, and... and, and was part of two of them, and Scudero was a big part of one, and Panic was part of one, and Pence came in, and, you know, uh, there was kind of a rotation. Cody Ross was a star of one playoff series. Ishikawa was a star of another. But you had a foundation. You had a core, if you will, like what the Yankees had, and in many ways more so than the Red Sox had of multiple championships, and certainly a lot more than St. Louis had, which has a, a, a revolving door of players on their team. So you look at this Cubs team, and you think, whoa, this may not be a one and done. This may be one of those situations where you say, which one's your favorite? Well, clearly 2016's my favorite. I remember that more than 2017 and 2019. So we could have a parade in Chicago. And there is, I know you're not supposed to say this, another team in Chicago. There is another team in Chicago. And between 
the end of October 2005 and the moment that Michael Martinez grounded out to Chris Bryant, the other team in Chicago had a certain amount of bragging right. And for 11 years, they had this bragging right. And I'm sure that that popped in the head of White Sox fans when Raji Davis hit the home run and when Jason Kipnick, Kipnis, I can't even say his name, hit a drive to right field. And it looked like for a split second there that the Indians would win the World Series on a Jason Kipnis homer. And if that had happened, we'd be going to year 109. 109 for Cub fans, and it would have been unbearable. And for yet another year, the White Sox fans could say, hey, at least my team's won a World Series this century. Well, for the first time since 1917, the Cub fan can claim a more recent World Series title than a White Sox fan. So what does that mean for the White Sox, the forgotten franchise? They're so neglected as a franchise. They're so forgotten as a franchise. They're such an afterthought in the national media attention. That's true, they are. That their very existence is forgotten. When the White Sox won the World Series in 2005, ending an 88-year drought, just a year after the Red Sox ended an 86-year drought, it received barely a blip on the national radar. It didn't even make the cover of Sports Illustrated. When the Red Sox won, and this comes from a Red Sox fan, it was treated as if possibly the greatest moment to happen since the splitting of the continents. When the White Sox did it, it was like, eh, 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 who cares? I remember there were features on the news after the White Sox won where they were going around Wrigleyville asking Cub fans for their take. What about asking White Sox fans? Poor White Sox fans and poor, you know, that just the franchise itself has been shortchanged and you know, when you read in the, the fact that they almost moved to Milwaukee, they almost moved to Seattle, they almost moved to Florida, you almost wonder for the legacy of the team if that may have been the right thing to do. Because the Cubs are the, the domain of Chicago. Then maybe they should be a domain of another team. Especially if the Braves left Milwaukee they could have retained some of the traditional White Sox fans and created a whole new fan base if they just stayed in, you know, moved up to Milwaukee in the late 60s as a lot of people thought they were going to. Or become the team of the Pacific Northwest or the team of Florida. But nope, they're in Chicago and they're there. And they're going to stay there. And they're going to now have the ignominy. I don't even know how to pronounce it of having Cub fans and the attention brought to the Cubs just be emboldened. And so, what do they do moving forward? Not only are the White Sox not the defending champions, not only the White Sox have not had a winning record in the entire... Well, the last time they had a winning record was 2012. So, and they were eliminated by the time I started this podcast. So in the history of this podcast, 
the White Sox have not been a winning team. For an entire presidential term, they've not put a winning product on the field, despite having a Cy Young contender, despite having some terrific players and spending a crap load of money a couple of years ago. What should the White Sox do moving forward? They're playing in the American League Central. Now, the American League Central is a strange division because they have given us um, four, let's see, let's, uh, yeah, four of the last five American League champions have come out of the American League Central. The Tigers of 2012, the Royals of 2014 and 2015, and the Indians of this last year. And let's face it, and this is coming from me, an unabashed Red Sox fan, that the Tigers should have won the pennant in 2013. The swings of the bat of Ortiz and of Victorino, those two grand slams, if either one of them was a pop-up or didn't clear the wall, those two swings of the bat were the difference between the Tigers winning the pennant and not winning the pennant. If the Tigers had even a mediocre bullpen in 2013, they should have beaten the Red Sox in five. And the Red Sox were a good team that year, but obviously they went on to win the World Series. The Tigers should have won. So that being said, for the last five years, the American League pennant seems to go through the Central. I think the Royals had a step back. Had, the Royals had the year this year that I thought they were going to have last year, a year of, of, of some regression. They were a quality team, but they were up and down. They faced a ton of injuries. I still think they're a talented team and should be a contender next year. Obviously, the Cleveland Indians you know, are, will remain a quality team and should remain a contender next year as well. And I think the Tigers still have good players on their team and should be a quality team as well. And so you have the White Sox are stuck in that division. Now, the division that had the... The Twins, that were, they were a good team in 2015. They were, I believe, the worst team in baseball this year. If they were, yeah, they had, they had the worst record in baseball and kept the White Sox from hitting rock bottom. White Sox had a losing season. Do they have a shot? A couple of years ago, I picked the White Sox to win the pennant because I thought they had all the right pieces in line and I thought they were gonna, things were going to click. They had a losing season. They got rid of Robin Ventura. Now, Robin Ventura, or as I like to call him, the bane of Jimmy Pardo's existence, was the White Sox manager for five years. It led to a grand total of one winning season. His first, inheriting the Ozzyguian team, and four straight years of losing baseball, and in some years in a very winnable American League Central. So, the White Sox have some things in their favor. They, first of all, they have Chris Sale under contract. Chris Sale, uh, for a while, looked like he was going to be a, the Cy Young uh, leader. And he didn't quite have the Cy Young caliber season. I personally would give the Cy Young award to Corey Kluber. But one of these years, he's going to. Now, they also have... James Shields, they have Jose Quintana. Uh, you know, I, I believe Shields can opt out if he wants to, but the 
he can also stay. He was not good when he the handful of games he pitched for a while. He pitched he pitched more than that. He pitched more games for White Sox than I thought. Twenty two games. Uh, he was bad. But Sale was very good. Quintana was good. Shields is had a bad year with the White Sox, but he is a you know he is a capable pitcher. If he turns around and has a mediocre year, then that's an improvement. Carlos Rodon is a fine young pitcher and should do a good job. Now, David Robertson stunk. I mean, okay, he didn't stink, but he was, there was, he was not the, the relief face that they were hoping he would be. And I think is someone that could be quite an interesting tr- trade ship. I think you could develop and find people to be a closer, and we're starting to see building up that deep bullpen is the way to go. And maybe Robertson might be a decent chip for someone, especially if with you know if a team has bullpen issues. They also have Jose Abreu in their lineup, and Abreu uh, you know had a good had a good solid season, and they have Tim Anderson, a good young player, and they have. Um, you know, they have a couple other players on their team that are are still under contract and are still, you know, they, they still have, uh, so Frazier is still there. He can still have some power. Avisel Garcia is still there. He could potentially play well. And uh, they'll probably non-tender Brett Lowry. And, and they may non-tender Avisel Garcia. I'm not sure. And then they have a couple of free agents who are really not going to be um, I mean, Justin Morneau isn't the difference of anything. Okay. So you look at this team, and they also have uh, you know, Nate Jones in their bullpen, who I believe is signed. Yeah, Nate, uh, he's signed for next year. You look at that team, and you say, do you want, they could probably pitch. And if I were the White Sox, I would consider dealing David Robertson to a team that's trying to build bullpen depth to maybe fill a couple holes. There is an argument that they should tear the team down. There is an argument that you should look at the team and act like the A's did a few years ago, maybe the Astros did a few years ago, and say, look it, you're never going to get a higher value for some of these players. And go tear it down now. You're never going to get a better value than Jose Abreu now, Chris Sale now, Quintana now, Nate Jones now. If you get two or three players in exchange for each of them, Sure, you're going to stink, but no one's going to pay attention to you anyway. The city belongs to the Cubs. You might as well lay down and, and build this team up. Possible. It's a definite possibility. Or you can say, wait a minute. We have, I just rattled off, assuming that James Shields can improve from horrible to mediocre. And what is it with some of these pitchers? Like Samarjda goes from the Cubs and A's where he was a good pitcher, then he goes to the White Sox where he stinks, and he goes to the Giants where he has a good season. What is it with people being adverse to pitching well with the White Sox? But if Shields goes it's just as mediocre, that's an improvement. Sale and Quintana. Sale, Quintana, Shields, Rondon. That's a good f- starting four. And, all right, ideal away, uh, Robertson, to maybe fill a hole in the infield or the outfield. But then you kind of, then you piecemeal something together. Maybe Nate Jones, 
maybe someone else can sort of come up and take that role. The, the role of the closer is not necessarily one that you need to have nailed down in November. Do you know what these teams all had in common? The 2016 Cubs, 2015 Royals, 2014 Giants, 2013 Red Sox, 2012 Giants, and 2011 Cardinals. Do what they all have in common? They have two things in common, probably more than two. But they have two definite things in common that have something to do with what I'm about to say. They all won the damn World Series, and they all won changing their closer at one point either because of injury or ineffectiveness, in some cases both. Not one of those World Series that I just rattled off were closed by the pitcher who began the season as the closer. Jason Mott was not the closer at the beginning of 2011 for the Cardinals. Sergio Romo was not the closer of the Giants starting 2012. Koji Uehara was not the closer of the Red Sox starting 2013. Madison Bumgarner closed out the 2014 World Series, but they had switched closer at one point between Romo and Casilla. Wade Davis was not the closer of the Royals when the season began. It was Holland. And this year, the, I mean, they, Rondon started the season as a closer. Chapman became the closer, and the World Series was closed out by Mike Montgomery. So you can find a closer, you can evolve a closer. Sometimes you find a closer in your midst, like the A's did a few years ago with friend of the podcast, Sean Doolittle. Sean Doolittle, Doolittle was just sitting in the bullpen, pitching effectively with a goddamn unicorn on his back, quoting Star Wars and playing with a freaking juggling in the bullpen. And I said, oh, Christ, Jim Johnson's not working. Why don't we get the guy with the, with the goofy beard? Next thing you know, he's on the All-Star game with his face painted like a goof. So you can develop a closer. And that's why I think that if, if Robertson has any trade value, you can fill a few holes, maybe get a decent bat in there, maybe get you know one or two. I mean, their, their, their offense really could use a kick in the pants. But, you know, if Cabrera has a decent year and Eaton has a decent year and Frazier at least has some power and Anderson develops and they get the kind of year they need out of Abreu, if they can go out in the market and get one good bat to put in the middle of that lineup and it helps the batters in front, it helps the batters behind, and you hope that the Tigers can regress. You hope that the Royals can regress. And you hope that maybe you can keep up with Cleveland. Then maybe, just maybe, there will be two teams again in the minds of people's eyes in Chicago. Remember in 2008, the Cubs and the White Sox both appeared in the, in the playoffs that year? I bet you didn't remember that. I, I really bet you didn't remember that. You know, most people were thinking about the Cubs. I was rooting hard for the White Sox. You know why? They had Ken Griffey Jr. on that team, and he's my probably my favorite player. And I wanted to see him win a ring. I digress. There are two teams in Chicago. One of them's getting all the attention. It was very easy to spot the White Sox fans during the World Series parade. Do you know why? They were the ones at work. 
the American League Central is not lost. Rick Renteria, the manager of the Cubs, who was dumped to make room for Joe Madden, and you can't blame the Cubs. I mean, they get a chance to bring in Joe Madden. Well, now he's taken over the White Sox. And I'm sure when he was hired to manage the Cubs, he had a dream of a World Series parade in Chicago. It's still possible. Is it probable? I don't know. The American League is a lot more malleable than the National League. You're going into the next year, and you still have a sense of who the contenders are in the National League, barring a team doing something really stupid like the Padres did a few years ago. You know, they say, we're going to go for it. No, but you're not there. You're not there. You have to wait for one of these other teams to regress. And the Cubs aren't regressing. The Dodgers aren't regressing. The Nationals aren't regressing. And I think the Giants are still going to be a good team. I still think the Mets are going to be a good team. And look out, I think the Pirates are going to be back. I think the Cardinals are going to be back. So the National League is going to be pretty predictable. The American League is a lot less predictable and could leave room for Chicago. Is there enough room in Chicago for two major league teams? You can argue either way on that. Is there enough room in baseball for two Chicago teams to be good at the same time? I think it's not just possible. It may just happen. And White Sox, let me just put this one thing out there. It's going to be really, really hard to get Cub tickets because they're going to be, you think that they were hard to get now. Imagine being there in this victory parade that they're going to have, this victory lap they're going to have, which will be 2017. So if I were you, I'd be going around Wrigleyville saying, hey, look it, if you can't get tickets, good seats are available on the south side. It's still Major League Baseball. Maybe you'll get a little boost in attendance that way. Either way, I wouldn't mind seeing the White Sox to turn things around throw a few elbows, have Rick Renteria say, all right, maybe I can win with this squad and show the world there's more than one team that has Chicago across its chest. And there was a time when the White Sox did meet the Cubs in the World Series. That time was called the Theodore Roosevelt administration. We're due for a rematch. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Talking Chicago, just not the Chicago you thought I was going to be talking about. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.